morning, church. Hope you had a good holiday weekend. If you have a Bible, if you could please turn to the book of Psalms. This morning we're going to look at Psalm 23. And as John mentioned, the Psalms, uh, when set to music, are known as the Psalter. So if you're fellowshipping with some believers and they say, pass the Psalter, they don't mean, and the pepper, they mean the book of the Bible set to music, the Psalms. And this morning we're going to be starting a new series. You can see the, the graphic on your screen, Psalms, a duet between heaven and earth. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I want to spend just a few minutes introducing the Psalms before we get to the passage and talk a little bit about why we're in the Psalms. The Psalms were originally written to be sung by the people of God in corporate worship. Now you might think now, pastor always thought the Psalms were poems. They are poems, but they're poems that were written, Hebrew poetry that was written to be set to music. And if you think about all the great music out there, sung music, there's always poetic elements found within the music. And for this reason, for other reasons, the Psalms have always been one of the most beloved sections of Scripture for the people of God. I I know this from my own experience of being a Christian. Many of you know this. But where do we so often turn when we are struggling? We we go to the Psalms. And, And we should. Because the Psalms speak to joy. They speak to anger. They speak to depression. They speak to anxiety. They speak to loneliness. They speak to regret. They speak to uncertainty. They speak to remorse. All of these emotions are found in the Psalms. And so when we come to the Psalms, it's, it's almost like coming to a mirror in which we can see our own experience through the eyes of the psalmist. John Calvin said this about the Psalms. He said, the Psalms are an anatomy of all parts of the soul. An anatomy of the soul. When we come to the Psalms, we can see ourselves. We can see our own experiences. We can see our own emotions. And another thing that makes the Psalms so special is that they shape the way that we should both think and feel as Christians. I don't know about you, but for me, it can be easy to reduce the Christian faith to just head knowledge, to just what I know. And um, Christianity beca- can, can become do's and don'ts. It, ca- it can become abstract, a sort of intellectual theory. And if we're not careful, God and our faith can become an object of, of study, as if we just need to know it better. We just need to master it. But in the Psalms, we're reminded that God is not an object of study to be mastered. God is a person who speaks to our souls, who desires that we know him and desires that we would pursue his face. And we can see this in the Psalms when the psalmist says things like, Lord, my soul thirsts for you. It thirsts for living water. As the deer pants for for water, so my soul longeth after you. The Psalms speak to our heart and not just our head, don't they? So often we can, we can treat God just like we're studying for a test. And it's like, okay, um, I, I can get all the right answers on this test, but my heart toward God feels like my heart toward a number two pencil or something like that. It's just, it just feels abstract. It feels different. But the Psalms engage our head 
and our heart. They bring together head and heart. And they remind us that if, if God is just an idea to us, if God is just an idea, then we don't really truly know God. If God is purely abstract, theoretical to us, God didn't create us so that we could know him like we're studying a subject in a textbook. He created us to know him in relationship. And that's why we know, and all all of us know this, that knowledge alone never drives our actions. The will, or what the Bible calls the heart, is what is ultimately driving your decisions, my decisions, minute by minute, day by day, all the time. It's our will. Have you ever had this experience? You do something, something sinful, something foolish, and you're trying to understand, okay, why did I do this thing? And so later, you rationalize with yourself and you say, okay, wait, I must have done, I must have done this because of this reason. And, and you're trying to explain, we try to explain our actions when really the rational explanation is, is the caboose. It's what's following after the heart. There was, there's something that was really interesting um, that was said by Woody Allen. Woody Allen says a lot of interesting things. But Woody Allen, and this, this was not so much a funny one as a profound one, but a number of years ago, Woody Allen had an affair. He wasn't married to Mia Farrow, but he had an affair um, with someone who's now his wife. And Woody was asked about this, uh, asked about why he would cheat on his longtime partner with whom he'd adopted a couple kids. And this was Woody Allen's response. He said, the heart wants what it wants. And it was a surprisingly honest, frank answer that's true. The heart wants what it wants. Your heart, my heart, wants what it wants. And so when we come to the Psalms, our longing is, Lord, don't just give me knowledge about yourself. Yes, Lord, I want that. I want to know you better. But more than that, I want you to change my heart, my inmost being, so that my desires are no longer for, th- for those other things, but rather my desires are for you. I long for my heart to desire you above all else. We have this sermon graphic Psalms, a duet between heaven and earth. What's the idea here? First of all, a a thanks to Austin Way, who always designs our sermon graphics. He does such a great job. The idea here is that we are singing to God, praising Him, crying out to Him, worshiping Him, and that we are seeking Him with the full range of human emotions. Every, Every part of being a person, the ups, the downs, the struggles, the joys, the difficulties, We cry out to God in all of those times. And as we do so, our hearts are exposed. We see who we are. We see what our hearts truly long for, truly desire. But in the Psalms, it's a a duet as well. Because through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the authors of the Psalms, which are often David, he wrote about half the Psalter, God answers us. We, We see not just our own hearts, but we see the heart of God as well. God reminds us that he's faithful, that his promises never fail, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And most of all, he reminds us that he is with us, that he will never leave us, that he is always there. 
We're going to start out this morning through Psalm, by looking at Psalm 23. I don't know about you, this is one of my favorite psalms. I love Psalm 23. And so if you have a Bible, um, if you'd please turn there. The, the psalm is also on the screen. Many of you know it by heart. But this is the word of God, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's go before God in prayer. Lord, you are a merciful shepherd. Even this morning, perhaps some of us feel like lost sheep. Or we feel like, where is the shepherd? But you are a merciful and loving and gracious shepherd who always watches over your people. You are always with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And we pray, Lord, as we enter into this marvelous book of the Bible, the Psalms, that you would speak to the whole man, to the whole person, to our hearts, to our minds, to our will, to all of us, Lord, that we might love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, show us our hearts this morning and show us, most of all, that you are the good shepherd that loves us and laid down your life for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, as I mentioned, I love Psalm 23. Uh, one of the first verses that we taught our kids was Psalm 23. And, and oftentimes at night, when I'm praying with my kids, I'll end my prayer by saying Psalm 23 to my kids. And just a, a note to parents, um, all of the Bible is valuable. And all of the Bible is, is wonderful to teach our kids. But personally, my opinion is, is this is one of those um, really amazing parts of Scripture that parents, um, I would love us to know, for our kids to know this psalm. And part of the reason why is because uh, when you're a kid, oftentimes you get scared, right? And that's why you do the, you know, you do the under the bed check just to make sure. And, uh, you, or you, maybe you go in the closet just to double check that as well. Maybe you look up um, just to make sure there's no monsters. And Psalm 23 is a special psalm in that it reminds us that God's our shepherd, that we don't need to be afraid of anything, that he is with us. And so before we get into the psalm, parents, just a word, uh, a great scripture passage to, to give to your kids, to, to say with them when you pray with them. But just two points today. I'm actually, we're actually going to go back to, the, to this psalm next week. Um, this week is learning to be a sheep from Psalm 23. Next week, we're going to go back to Psalm 23, and it's going to be down in the valley, and we're going to talk about 
uh, specifically what it's like to be in the valley of the shadow of death. But this week, learning to be a sheep. And just two points. First of all, why does God liken us to sheep? Our need. And second of all, why does God call himself our shepherd, his provision? Well, David begins the psalm. He says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And, and David is implying by calling God our shepherd, he's implying that we are the sheep. And, you know, we maybe, we haven't given this a lot of thought. We think, well, well, David was a shepherd before he became a king, so it makes sense that he would use this analogy. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I guess, I guess we're sheep. We haven't given it a lot of thought. And maybe we think, you know what? If the Bible's going to compare us to any animal, sheep seem like a solid choice. Right, kids? Um, I know the kids are with us right now. Uh, sheep, they're kind of cute. Yep, there we go. Um, sheep, right, kids? Sheep, sheep are cute. We may, we may want to give them a hug. Um, they, go, they say, bah, that's fun. Um, they give us wool, that's cool. Um, they're, not, they're not scary. They're not a predator. They pose no danger to us. So it's, you know, as we come to Psalm 23, you might think, yeah, this is great. I'm, you know, the Bible calls me a sheep. But we have a hard time appreciating this analogy living in northern Jersey in 2015 or really anywhere in America today because most of us have no real contact with sheep or with shepherds. Most of us, the most contact that we have with a sheep is each year when we put on that merino wool sweater every winter. Um, that's, that's the extent of our contact with sheep, with, um, with these animals. And so it can be easy to not appreciate what the Bible is saying when it says that God is our shepherd and that we are the sheep. It can seem like kind of a dead metaphor to us. And so a number of years ago, uh, a man wrote a book that is so helpful in looking at this psalm that the title of the book is A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Isn't that a great, a great title? A Shepherd Looks at Psalm, psalm 23. The author is Philip Keller, no relation to the pastor across the river. And uh, he was raised in East Africa. He spent many years as a shepherd. And he makes this comment about Psalm 23. He says, It is no mere whim on God's part to call us sheep. Our behavior patterns and life habits are so much like that of sheep that it is well nigh embarrassing. And Keller, who has spent years of his life with sheep, tending sheep as a shepherd, goes on to describe the various attributes of a sheep. And um, all cuteness aside, they're not all pretty. What do we know about sheep? First of all, this. Sheep are not the brightest animals in the world, okay? If we're honest, they're kind of dumb. We know that we've learned that pigs are incredibly bright animals, elephants are bright animals, chimps, of course, dogs are, um, uh, we just keep learning, I just saw something the other day about how smart dogs are, but nobody would say that about a sheep. If they told jokes in the animal kingdom, a great joke might start something like this, you know, a pig and a sheep and a dog all took the SAT. And, uh, you know, the dog got a 1,200 and the pig got a 1,400 and the sheep, well, you know, he, he couldn't find where to sign his name or something, I don't know. But, but if they told jokes in the animal kingdom, it would go something like that. Because sheep are not the brightest animals. One job of the shepherd is to constantly be watching over the sheep 
because sheep are constantly getting themselves in trouble. Whether that's walking down a dangerous ravine or getting lost from the herd, being a good shepherd requires constant vigilance. Keller, Philip Keller, the author of um, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he would sleep with his, with his rifle right next to him because he knew that at any moment he could be required to get up and tend for his flock. Keller goes on to chronicle all the ways sheep are dependent on their shepherd. One way is that when a sheep becomes cast down, that refers to a sheep that sat down but now cannot get up. They sat down in a position and literally, literally a sheep will get stuck. And it sounds funny, but when a sheep is cast down, it typically will panic and make its condition worse. And if the shepherd does not come and help the sheep, it will die. It will not be able to right itself to stand up. <clears throat> Another thing about sheep is that sheep have a tendency to overgraze in one spot. And by doing that, they tend to find one green spot and then they, they don't want to move. And that leads to parasites in the area and for the sheep, and it leads to depletion of the land. And that's one reason why shepherds constantly need to keep their flocks moving to con- so they're not abusing one uh, part of, of the land. Another way that sheep depend on their shepherd is that they are constantly threatened by various predators in their natural habitat. Coyotes, bears, wolves, wild dogs, cougars, just to name some. Sheep have no real speed or natural defense against a predator. And Keller describes sheep this way. He says they are helpless, timid, and fearful creatures. Helpless, timid, and fearful creatures. In fact, sheep by nature will not even lie down if they have any fear that a predator is in the area. And a whole herd of sheep have been known to stampede at simply being scared by a jackrabbit. They are very fearful creatures. So what is God, through the mouth of his inspired servant David, saying to us today by calling us sheep? Well, let me say this. God is not demeaning us in any way by calling us sheep. Remember Psalm 8.5, what God says about humanity? In Psalm 8.5, God says, or the, the psalmist says, you created them, you God, a little lower than the angels, and crown them with glory and honor. By calling us sheep, God is not demeaning or or in, in some way making fun of humanity. Only humanity has been given this task of ruling over creation. Only humanity has been given this task of of being created in the image of God to spread that image through all the world. But rather When God calls us sheep, when he likens us to sheep and calls himself the shepherd, really what he's showing us is our need. Just how dependent we are upon the shepherd. Just how much we need God. And also, as I was studying this passage, I realized, you know what? This metaphor is not just about how much we need God. It's also about how much we need each other. Because sheep are, are herd animals. They do everything together. If one sheep if we'll, we'll start to stampede, all the others will go with them and, and it can lead to disaster. So by calling us sheep, by likening us to sheep, God is showing us just how much we need a shepherd, just how much we need him and just how much we need each other as well. You see, our problem is not, brothers and sisters, it's not that we think of ourselves not enough. But rather, humanity's problem is that we are fixated 
upon ourselves, that we make ourselves the center of the universe. I had a, a, a professor in seminary that said, sin is trying to live life without God. That's how he defines sin. Sin is trying to live life without God. There's more that we can say about sin than that. But that's certainly true. That we, we naturally are people who want to go off on our own. We, we want to we do life without God. We want to do life without the shepherd. And when we do that, things never work out. Our, our efforts to live life apart from God always lead to danger, to disaster, and ultimately to eternal death if we don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Just think about our situation here today in Bergen County, New Jersey. We live in one of the most affluent societies that's ever existed on planet Earth. We can praise God for our blessings, but often we see those around us who are anxious, depressed, overscheduled, addicted, restless, discontent, just to name a few of the things that we struggle with. Sheep are helpless, they're timid, they're fearful creatures. Are we really so much different from what we know of sheep? I think the answer is that we're not. And I think that's exactly what God wants us to know as we come to this passage. And he says, I am your shepherd, you are the sheep. Yes, you are naturally fearful when you get past all the posturing that all of us do to one degree or another, all the image that we put off. So many of us are fearful, timid, struggling, wondering what life holds. And God says, recognize that you're a sheep. Recognize that I'm the shepherd. Hear my voice. Don't run from me anymore. Submit to my will. Trust me. I will guide you. See how much you are dependent and needy upon me. You see, the mercy in being a sheep is knowing that we have a shepherd. That's the mercy in being a sheep. It's knowing that we have a shepherd. And that's what we're going to end with today. Second of all, why does God call himself our shepherd? And this is his provision. I'm going to look at just, just the first three verses. We're running out of time. We're going to come back to this psalm next week. But how does God call himself? Why does God call himself our shepherd? First of all, he says that because he provides all that we need. The text says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Some of you, maybe you grew up and you learned, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And maybe you thought, well, maybe if God's my shepherd, then I won't want anything. And I'll just stop wanting things. But what the text actually says is, I shall not be in want. In other words, I shall not lack anything. I shall have no needs. Everything that I truly need for life. And here's where we have to say, Lord, do I really believe this about you? Everything that we need for life and godliness, the shepherd will provide. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I shall not lack anything that I truly need for life and godliness. That's the first way God is our shepherd. Secondly, he's our shepherd by bringing us peace. Um, with the background that we have, listen to verse 2, hopefully with fresh ears. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Remember we talked about how sheep have a tendency to abuse the land and, and, to, and to, to not know when they, ne when they need to move on to greener pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Sheep are creatures that, that don't naturally lie down. Keller said in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, 
he learned at first as he was becoming a shepherd, first he learned that he, he needed to carry his rifle with him at any time because predators could scatter his flock and kill his flock at a, at a moment's notice. And he also says in that book, he learned that no sight, no sight would calm his sheep like, the, like when he would walk through his flock with his weapon, reminding his sheep that he was there to protect them, to watch over them. God brings us peace. Sheep are by nature jittery, fearful animals. And a lot of times we are jittery, fearful people who are overwhelmed with life and concerned about all the different things in our lives. And God is the shepherd who is in our midst right now. If we only can see that we are the sheep and he is the shepherd, he is in our midst comforting us. You know, there are so many different ways to manage stress if you think about it. Some of those ways are sinful, like an addiction to one thing or another. Other ways of managing stress can be helpful, like going for a run or helping other people. But what the Bible says is the best way to manage stress, and not that, not that other ways don't have a place in our lives, but what the Bible says is that the best way to manage stress is to be in the presence of your Creator is to be with God. It's to go before, it's to be with your shepherd who will never leave you nor forsake you. The presence of God is the ultimate de-stressor. The presence of God. Again, not to say that other ways that we may deal with stress, non-sinful ways, not to say that they don't have a place. But is God, is that our ultimate de-stressor? The presence of God going before Him, going before His Word, just like those sheep, nothing can quiet our hearts like the voice of our, of our God, right? That we hear in his word. That's the ultimate way that we can find peace is through God. And finally, just want to look at verse 3 for a moment. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep are so prone to go off on the, on the wrong path to, um, to get themselves in danger. And here we see that God leads us on the good path, that he guides our lives, that we may be sitting here wondering, Lord, I don't know what your plan is for my life, but God knows the plan. And like a good shepherd, God is guiding us according to his good plan, leading us on the paths of righteousness. Just one question to end today. Do you know the shepherd? Do you know the one who gives true peace? Can you say about God, again, um, thinking of our psalm series, not just on an intellectual uh, level, not just, Lord, I, I know you're my shepherd because I know the Bible says that, but rather from a heart standpoint, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes I wander. Sometimes I don't feel that way. But yes, I know that God is my shepherd, that he cares for me. Do you know God like that? Jesus says in John ten eleven. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, ultimately, I am your shepherd and I have died on the cross to pay for sin so that lost sheep would be brought back into the flock of the Heavenly Father. Until any person surrenders their life to Christ in faith, until any person 
accepts, and I know this can sound humorous, accepts that we are sheep, that we are lost, that we are trying to do life apart from God. We, we chase after God's substitutes, with, which the Bible calls idols, until any person accepts that and gives their life to Christ, then ultimately we are a lost sheep trying to do life on our own. But when we give our lives to Christ, when we fully commit to him, when we trust him in faith, we are brought into his flock, into his loving care. Listen to these words of Jesus in Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's an invitation. That's an invitation from the shepherd to sheep. Whether you are in that flock right now and and, um, you have wandered or whether you just need to be reminded that God is your shepherd or whether you've never been a part of his flock, that's an invitation to come and be with him. Let's pray. Lord, you are our shepherd. We rejoice in that, Lord God. We pray that as we continue to worship you, Lord, as we go about our day, that we would rest in your goodness, that you are a shepherd, that we would find our peace in you. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.